0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. It is Friday, February 17th, 2023. And I'm your host, as always, The Pody. Even on episode number 200, we have some technical glitches. So yes, it is episode number 200. <laughs> Let's get that straight right now. Super excited. Didn't have an episode last week for a few reasons, but I just tweeted out the excuse that I needed a break from talking about the Nets and everything that has gone down. They no longer have Kyrie Irving. They no longer have Kevin Durant. The experiment is over, and we're just going to move on and leave it at that. We've got a lot to talk about. On this episode, I'm extremely excited because for those of you that don't know, most of you probably don't know, the inner workings or behind the scenes of what I do to make this show happen. I have a $500 essentially recording booth that I bought On Amazon, because you can buy that sort of thing on Amazon. It sits in the corner of my room. It's made of, like, some sturdy PVC pipe. It has this whole big blanket with grommeted, um, yeah, grommeted, like, blanket curtain entrance that goes around the top. I put a gaming desk in here that's, like, 31 and a half inches wide or so, and it barely fits. I, truth, truth be told, if I had to take this apart and get this desk out of here and everything, I don't know that I'd be able to do it. It's it's really maxed out. So I sit, I'm a very small guy, I'm probably the only person that could fit in this booth and shut the door, have my Rodecaster Pro on the desk, my MacBook on the desk, I have an iPad in front of me here um, on its own little stand, I have a... um clip-on mount here for my phone that I could put in there. I also have a light in here with a Qi wireless uh, uh, charger. And so we've got a lot happening um, in this booth. So I use a little small telescopic chair, if you will, or stool that I pretty much use for softball. Instead of sitting on a bucket at games and stuff, I bring this thing with me. So I didn't even realize that I was like, oh, that's genius. I could stick it in my booth. It barely fits. And I could sit down and my knees sort of hit the un- you know underneath part of the desk, the bar that goes across there. But um, I'm short enough that I can angle myself in here and it's all good. Well, I've been in here long hours of late because I'm working on an audiobook that should be done and hopefully out within the next, you know, few weeks or so. I'm grinding my way through it, reading a chapter a day. Um, so, and I'll let you guys know all the information once that's officially out if you want to go buy it. I won't get any residuals. I'm getting paid upfront for this project. And um, so anyway, my behind has been on fire lately for being in the booth long hours. And when I say long hours, it's not that long, like two hours max a day or something, like after work, late at night, after softball practice. And it's just very uncomfortable being in here for that amount of time just because the stool is, you know, it's hard, plastic. So I went on Amazon the other day, and I bought a newer version that comes with a cushion on top. And yesterday or the day before yesterday, it was supposed to come today. I get an email or uh, actually a text message from Amazon saying they're refunding me my money because it got, I'm assuming, I believe what they said was it basically got damaged in transit. It had to get sent back. They refunded me the money. It'll take a few days. Well, it was like $32. I had about $18 in gift card money. Uh, because of a YouTube video that I made for my DEMA dental pod that cleans retainers and different uh, dental appliances. I actually got some residuals off a code that I put out there, so I redeemed it, $18 for Amazon, you know, gift card. Anyway, not the point. I reordered it, didn't get to use the gift card because I haven't gotten that money back into my account yet. Not a big deal, it's only 32 bucks. It was supposed to come tomorrow. Well... To my surprise, it got delivered early today, and I'm in the booth now on a Friday, and I'm recording on the cushion, cushioned seat, and it's phenomenal. You know, my knees will still hurt and stuff because of the way I'm bending them and, you know, whatnot, but it's it's totally doable, and I'm going to be in here long hours tonight because after I finish this episode, I may or may not hit the shower because it does get hot in here when I'm talking a lot And it's a lot of, you know, heat buildup with the computers, the iPad, the Rodecaster, all these devices, the the light, everything going on in here. And so it does tend to get hot. But so far so good. This cushion on my butt is feeling good. And this is going to be a game changer for the rest of my weekend president's day off. I have Monday off so I can get a lot of recording done. I was supposed to go down to my grandma's in uh Tom's river tomorrow, but she called and she's like, Oh, can we, can we reschedule for next Saturday? Cause my brother wants to do the tax her taxes for her. And I was going to help try to set up a doorbell camera. And then um, actually it worked out perfectly because tomorrow night is one of my favorite days of the year. We've got the, NBA All-Star Weekend. We've got the skills competition. We've got the three-point contest, the dunk contest. I I love all that stuff. I'm not so much a fan of the what the all-star, you know, the all-star game has become. It's a little ridiculous. So last year's made the last couple of years have made for some fun, whatever. So with that being said, tomorrow noon ish around noon, maybe my brother Vin is coming over. We bought a 75-inch Q L E D. Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos, all that good stuff. Uh TV to hang on our wall in our TV room. We're gonna re we're in the process of rearranging the room. It just got painted last week. So I'm super excited about that. Actually, both my brothers are gonna come over. We're gonna help uh, you know, put that up on the wall. And then I will have a beautiful 75 inch TV. And I've got the house to myself this weekend. So I will be watching some television, some high quality, um, all-Star Weekend. I will be playing some movies in 4K Dolby Atmos. Uh, there's a lot to watch this weekend, and I'm excited to get that up and running tomorrow so I could watch the dunk contest in 4K with some Dolby Vision. Okay, with that being said, unbelievable that we have reached the pinnacle. 200 episodes. There's a statistic out there because there's podcasts are a dime a dozen, right? There are a million of them out there. Everybody seems seemingly does a podcast. I just heard about last night driving home from softball. Evan Roberts, they were they were making fun of him because he was listening to a podcast uh, from Goldberg, you know, WWF, WWE, all that stuff that Goldberg um talking about cars, and he was talking about Rihanna, her performance at the Super Bowl, and they were actually making fun of him. They're like, there's no way you're just randomly listening to a Dave Goldberg um, podcast about cars. Like, So the point being, um, there are a ton of podcasts, and most of them... Most people try a podcast and they fail or they they give up after. It's less than 10 episodes, and I think it might even be less than five. They do a couple, and then they give up. Um, I think I said Dave Goldberg. I don't know why I had the name Dave on my mind, but Bill Goldberg. We all know who he is, okay? Anyway, he he had a bad take on Rihanna, whatever, but it's – a bad take for the younger generation. Most people enjoyed Rihanna's performance. I just, I thought it was okay. I'm not, I'm not big into music like that. Um, I've actually never been to a concert before in my life. I'm just, I'm a sports guy, man. I, I, I like my pop, my, well, my friends make fun of me. I like my pop music. That's what I listen to whenever I listen to music. It's literally Apple Music pop playlist. And to tell the truth, I don't listen to music really. Once in a while when I'm in the shower, I'll turn that on, but most of the time, nine out of 10 times, I'm in the car listening to sports radio, ESPN radio or WFAN, and when there's commercials, occasionally I will put on Z100 the last couple of days or so. I used to listen to that religiously uh, back in college when I worked my, my, my job and I had to be up super early in the morning. Uh, but otherwise, I'll like switch over to Q1043 or listen to uh, uh, NJ1015 on my ride home with d when there's commercials because I like the classic rocks and stuff because, you know, my dad got me into that. All the drives, you know, growing up as a little kid, going to different places, events, sports, uh, games and all that, that would be on occasionally is Q1043. So I'm into the classic rock a bit as well. So yeah. And I'm not really into the country stuff. Sure. I like the Carrie Underwood and Taylor Swift is more poppy. Like it's not too much country. Although I will say Chris Stapleton, that national anthem, totally on point. That was fire. And thank God the American sports books, the legal ones, DraftKings, all that didn't have a spot where you could bet the over under on that national anthem cuz I would have bet over and I seen somebody uh posted online it was posted on social media that they had it at like over 203 and it was literally like literally about 202.9 and they lost it was a terrible bad beat so I knew better than to bet this super bowl I do $25 on one of the promos they had for A.J. Brown and Travis Kelsey, 50-plus receiving yards, and it cashed. And then DraftKings gave out a free $5 bet to everybody, and I put it on Sky Moore to score the first touchdown. He did not. The Eagles did. Jalen Hurts did. But Sky Moore did score a touchdown later. But that was just a freebie. So I am on a roll right now. Uh, this month, I'm up over 370 in my sports betting. I have only on college basketball besides that one bet on the Super Bowl and I'm on fire with my college basketball bets and I'm up nearly I think I want to say around six seven hundred dollars just since the end I'm not up that much but I've won that much since the last week of January um but I was so poorly earlier in the month I did break uh make money in January like 17 bucks but That last week of January plus this month has been on point. But I haven't bet in a week or so just because I've been super busy. I'll probably jump on a college basketball game if I'm being honest with myself tomorrow in the noon slate. I'll have to look at what's going on. I haven't really paid attention, but college basketball has been a wild season. But I've been predictably figuring out which games to bet on and finding trends. So... Almost 13 minutes in and I've just been pretty much ranting. We haven't even gotten into the show yet. So, let's do that. It's a good time to do it. Whoopsie. My watch hit that button. Excuse me. So, a little too excited. Without further ado, you're listening to This Week in Sports, episode number 200. I'm the Pody, and let's go. We naturally are going to open up with the Super Bowl. Sunday will be one week since that amazing performance between the Eagles and Chiefs. It was one for the ages. Um highest scoring Super Bowl, I believe. A lot of firsts in that in that game. But anyway, we all know the Chiefs are Super Bowl champs. Um Patrick Mahomes overcame a second quarter. Re-aggravation of his ankle injury, and the Chiefs overcame a double-digit halftime deficit to beat the Eagles 38 to 35 on a bit of a well, I say bit, a huge controversial defensive holding call on James Bradbury. He held Juju on a bit of a like up and out or uh, excuse me, double double move type of play. And Mahomes just threw it up towards the end zone. And they threw the flag. And they were able to then, you know, gave him a first down. They were able to drain the clock and kick a game-winning field goal with Harrison Harrison Butker um, finally connecting. I am super pissed because Butker doinked one at the end of the first or second, yeah, first quarter, excuse me, would have been 10-7, would have ended the quarter 10-7. I would have hit on my box for 100 bucks. um, So... Yeah, Dems the brakes. Um, oh, yeah, I have the audio for that play, the James Bradbury holding. Totally forgot about that. Here's what that sounded like Mahomes, pressure, lofting one, end zone incomplete. Juju Smith Schuster couldn't catch up. There's a flag at the 10. Hang on, there's a penalty. the pass, holding, number 24, defense, five yard penalty, automatic, first down. Yeah, that's worst case scenario. You'll see James Bradbury, they're going to say he grabs him, he's got his left hand on his back, I don't know, Mike, listen, I think on this stage. Yeah, so uh Greg Olson continued on to say he doesn't believe they should have thrown that flag in that situation, but a lot of people disagreeing, saying if it's going to be a flag at the beginning of the game or in the first quarter, it's got to be a flag at the end of the game. And You know, if that was my Jets in the Super Bowl in a tie game 35-35 and that was called against Sauce Gardner or DJ Reed or something, I would be absolutely beside myself. I'd probably, you know— throw something at the TV in just absolute agony and disgust. But, you know, James Bradbury, he didn't back down. He did say that he held him. And the Eagles really, they took the high road with this one. Um, so kudos to them. They they lose the game. There was only eight seconds left when Butker made that field goal and they f- were not able to do anything, obviously. Um, for Kansas City, though, it is now... It's uh, the second Super Bowl win in four years. We could start talking dynasty. Patrick Mahomes, he won regular season MVP. And then not only did he win the Super Bowl, he also won Super Bowl MVP. But by winning regular season MVP and the Super Bowl in the same year, he broke the 23-year curse, becoming the first quarterback to do so since Kurt Warner in 1999 Mahomes has now been to 3 Super Bowls in what his first 5 years and he's won 2 of those 3 all by the all, done it all by the age of 27 which is just ridiculous he's 3 years younger than I am he's also the first player in NFL history to win multiple championships and multiple league MVPs within his first 6 season And again, in just five years, he's won two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, two regular season MVPs. He's a five-time Pro Bowler and a two-time first-team All-Pro. Just absolutely ridiculous. And there is some breaking news I'd like to share. Eric Biennemi Stalwart offensive coordinator, been with the Chiefs since 2013, started off as running backs coach, then took over play calling duties in 2018 when Matt Nagy went to the Chicago Bears, a guy that many said or have said in the last two, three, four years should have been a head coach by now. This man just left the Chiefs to take the offensive coordinator position with the Washington Commanders. Ron Rivera staff, he will be an assistant head coach, multi-year deal, maybe he's getting a pay increase, I don't know, but it's very interesting because earlier this month, Ron Rivera committed to Sam Howell, saying Sam Howell will probably be their starting quarterback going into the offseason and into next season. And we all know Sam Howell had a lot of potential at North Carolina. I'm a huge Sam Howell fan. He started, what, one or two games down the stretch this year at the end of the year and actually looked pretty good. So with a guy like Eric Bieniemy, could they almost try to replicate what's going on in Kansas city or what the enemy did with Mahomes? They're definitely, that's their thought process. And I think it's a really good hire by Washington. It's just very, I'm a little shocked that he would leave Kansas city. Like when, when you have such a good thing going kind of like the whole Josh McDaniels thing with the Patriots, he left twice now, but he always came back and he, he won so many times. It's like, Why leave? The grass is not always greener on the other side. So we'll see what happens. Maybe Biennemi feels like he's stuck behind Andy Reid and can't get a coaching position because everyone's giving all this credit to Reid and sometimes you just need to break away on your own and do your own thing. So very interesting there. And speaking of Andy Reid, it's now his second Super Bowl with the Chiefs. He's got two Super Bowls in his coaching career, both now with the Chiefs in the last four years into three of them now in four years. Um, But this one has to feel even more special than the one a few years ago against the 49ers because it came against his former team, the Eagles, where he spent, what, 16 years or so? Um, Maybe, no, 14 years, I believe. 14 years, won um, 140 games, I believe, in 14 years. And he's got 128 128 wins with the Chiefs in like three or four less years. And next year, he should, if they get to 13 wins, they will surpass the total wins he had with the Eagles and he'll have done it in three less years in just his 11th year. Wow. I mean, Hall of Fame, Definitely. Andy Reid was always viewed as that guy. Great regular season coach, could never get over the hump. That one year with McNabb and a hobbled T.O. who came off that broken leg to play in the Super Bowl, um, but they were not able to get the job done there. He's now won two Super Bowls. And my God, on the flip side, Philadelphia, I'm, I am wish I could say I'm sorry, but really, you kind of just blew that game. Um, they joined the... 2016 Falcons, the 2016 Falcons, nobody wants to be in the same sentence or company as that 2016 Falcons team that blew a 28-3 lead. Well, they joined them as the only teams in Super Bowl history to lose when leading by double digits at halftime. But Jalen Hurts, who finished runner-up to Patrick Mahomes in the MVP race, was absolutely dominant in this game. He threw for 304 and one touchdown and ran for 70 and three touchdowns. Those 70 rushing yards, most by a quarterback in a Super Bowl, those three rushing touchdowns, most by a quarterback in the Super Bowl. It was his second game of his career with 300 passing yards, 50 rushing yards, and three touchdowns. No other player has even done that once. Just ridiculous. And some numbers here. The Super Bowl came in just under, um, let's see, second most watched Super Bowl of all time. The Super Bowl between the Patriots and Seahawks. Remember when they picked off Russell Wilson to win that? That registered 114.4 million viewers. And this year's game, just shy of that, second most watched ever. Usually each year the numbers go up. But the halftime show with Rihanna, that saw a huge bump from 118.7 million over last year's performance, which had 103.4 million. So there you have it. And here are some just highlights, some sounds from the game, some of the – um big moments in this game there was a very big moment in the second quarter about 9 minutes left eagles had the ball driving up the, uh 14-7 at this point they could have really went on a long drive went up 21-7 and gotten the ball at to start the third quarter that would have been just devastating for the chiefs but that's not what happened and you'll hear that highlight here in a second that way throwing that way chelsea got it low shot, Looking for AJ Brown. He's got it. Put a back draw. Nowhere to go. The ball is loose, sitting on the turf. It's picked up by Bolton. No one in front of him is going to score. Quick throw. Tony's got it. Tony walks in. Looking for a block, and he gets there. He's in. We're tied at Super Bowl 57. Butker up. Got it. Super Bowl 57. MVP quarterback Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City. So yeah, there you have it. Those were some of the highlights. Um you heard that highlight. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. He fumbled the ball on a quarterback like option. He kept it and lost the ball. Bolton, you know, picks it up and takes it to the house, which tied the game. That was a huge turning point there. Um the Eagles, by the way, they ran quarterback sneaks like 18 times in this game, third and one, fourth, whatever. And they got it every single time because they have a great offensive line. They put guys behind the quarterback and they just push the pile. And I believe it's a cheap play and it's unstoppable. And if the NFL knows what's good, they will eliminate that play. I heard many people, experts, former players, wishing and talking after the Super Bowl that they need to uh, ban that play. and hopefully they will put a rule in place that you can't put like tight ends and running backs behind the quarterback. And when they hike it, they just come from behind and push them forward. It's just ridiculous. We all know, you know, um how cheap that is if you have a guy just pushing you forward with all that momentum already. The the guys uh, you know on defense have a disadvantage at that point, so that was frustrating watching them convert every single time. And after the Super Bowl, a day or two later, Juju Smith Schuster, who just won a Super Bowl, don't know why, but of course he has to be this guy. You know, he's the TikTok guy. He that that was his thing in with the Pittsburgh, and it kind of rubbed Mike Tomlin the wrong way. But anyway. He posted, you know, Valentine's Day was Tuesday. He posted a Valentine's Day card featuring a photo of James Bradbury and the caption, I'll hold you when it matters most. I mean, just distasteful, disrespectful, unnecessary. You won the Super Bowl. They already took the high road. Bradbury admitted he grabbed you, let it go, win with some class, show some class, Take the high road. Well, A.J. Brown then responded by taking the exact high road, if you will. The high road that everyone wanted to to take. He congratulated Juju on the championship and then proceeded to call him TikTok boy, which went absolutely way more viral than Juju's original tweet. So, um, yeah, don't think Juju had that in mind when he sent the tweet originally, because if you're going to put something out there, prepare to get roasted right back. So, yeah, I had no problem with what A.J. Brown said. Okay, Super Bowl's over, and naturally there were some head coaching vacancies still available. Both Eagles coordinators have been hired away as head coaches. I'll start with Eagles offensive coordinator uh, Shane Steichen, or Steichen, who is... Uh, The new head coach in Indianapolis. I don't really know if that's a place you want to coach or if that's a job that anybody really wants right now. They are just a mess. We all saw the Jeff Saturday debacle, Frank Reich before that. But anyway, uh, Shane Steichen um, is the new – Steichen just doesn't sound right. Is it Steichen? That doesn't sound right either, but Steichen. We're going with that. Meanwhile, D.C. defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon has been tabbed as the Cardinals' next head coach. And, of course, with the news of Eric Bieniemy leaving to go to Washington, three of the four coordinators, as far as I know, Steve Spagnuolo isn't going anywhere, three of the four coordinators from the Super Bowl no longer with those Super Bowl teams, and it's been less than a full week since the Super Bowl. Just unbelievable. And, of course, this means that all vacant head coaching positions are now officially filled and accounted for. And if you want to look ahead football-wise, the NFL Combine is now less than two weeks away. Oh, and I have more on football a little bit later. Okay, if you weren't paying attention during uh during the NBA trade deadline, you might have missed this. So there was a four-team trade involving the Pistons, um the Warriors, the Portland Trailblazers, and um maybe was it the Hawks? Wherever Sadiq Bey was traded to. I should know this because he's on my fantasy team. Uh where did yeah, uh Atlanta was the four team. So that trade went through or so we thought. Gary Payton who helped the Warriors win a championship last year and then signed a multi-year deal with Golden State, actually played against the Warriors one day before this trade. So the Warriors land him in this four-team trade that actually sent James Wiseman to Detroit. It sent Sadiq Bay to Atlanta. Um, I don't know if Atlanta gave up anything, but anyway. And upon evaluating Gary Payton, Golden State found a core muscle injury in his physical that is now going to cause him to miss significant time. So the Warriors filed an official complaint against Portland, who they say just didn't disclose or withheld this information. This ordeal was holding up the whole thing. Sadiq Bey was in limbo. I literally saw him sitting there at a practice with the Atlanta Hawks, and he could not practice, just sitting there. But even though the warriors will not pass his physical we found out sunday night during the super bowl they are they are going through with the trade and it is now official um i guess bob myers basically said it would have been a moot point to contest it at this point um and he just wanted you know he filed whatever he did with portland because uh, with the league office rather because he wanted to understand exactly what happened and understand it better. Um, and it took more than one exchange with the league to nail down the final details, if you will, of this whole thing. Just very strange. I don't know if Gary Payton injured himself during this game, before the game before he was traded when he played against the Warriors. Um, but he's going to be out till like April playoff time If they're lucky, if they even make the playoffs at this rate, because they they're already down Steph and it's just been just been a lot. Okay, Zion Williamson. I could have told you this was going to happen the day he was drafted. Oh, wait, I was not high on this guy from the jump. But shocker, guess what? yeah, Zion will miss more time after the All-Star break because he reaggravated his hamstring injury and who knows how long he'll be out this time, but he barely plays. I mean, he's great when he plays, sure, but he's such a big guy and so strong and powerful. We've seen it at Duke. He, he freaking you know, basically ran through his shoe and his shoe exploded off of his foot and he got hurt. And I think they kind of baby this guy and he doesn't heal right because he's so big. He missed all of last season. Listen, this team gives me Eerily similar vibes to Brooklyn and what just happened with the big three of Harden and Durant and Kyrie, where they only played in 16 games together. KD Kyrie, less than a full season, only 74 games together. You have the nucleus of Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and um, CJ McCollum. And these guys have not played in many games. When they have, they've been great. So let's see, I have some stats here. Uh, they were the two-seed at one point. Things were going great. They sustained it for a while, even after Zion was hurt in the beginning of the year. And then it's come down. it's gone downhill because I think Ingram has missed time as well. Uh, but the injuries have just been piling up for, for Zion since he began his career. He was voted as an all-star starter this year, but through four seasons, only played in 114 games, and like I said, he missed all of last year with a different injury than not the hamstring. And he's played in just 29 of the Pelicans' 57 games so far this year. They're 17 and 12 when he plays and 12 and 16 when he does. It might not seem like a lot, but they've only played 12 games this season with Zion, Ingram, and CJ McCollum all available. And when those three are on the court together, They've outscored opponents by 16.5 points per 100 possessions when those three are on the court. So like I said, that's why it's giving me eerily similar vibes to what's going on, or excuse me, what went down in Brooklyn. And I hope that the Pelicans don't repeat history and become the next Brooklyn Nets. Okay, some other NBA news. Guys have been been getting bought out and, and we're waiting to figure out where Westbrook signs still and all that good stuff. But Danny Green is headed back to Cleveland after agreeing to a one-year, $2 million deal with the Cavs. He has shot 39.9% on three-pointers in his career. He's a you know decent 3 and D type guy for what they're trying to do. Come off the bench, that will be some good help there. You have point guard Reggie Jackson signing with the number one West-seeded Denver Nuggets after a buyout with the Hornets. He's averaging 10.9 points on nearly 42% shooting this season. They recently acquired Kentavious Caldwell-Pope uh, earlier this year. Did the Nuggets, and he's been a you know just a revelation for them, and really so have the Nuggets as a whole. I mean, they've won what 21 straight now. When when uh, Jokic has a double double which is just abs or excuse me a triple double which is just absolutely ridiculous um so yeah it's going to be a fun second half to to watch it everything play out in the west east too really um Okay, All-Star Reserves, we've got some announcements there. Initially, when they were announced, I talked about this, like, on my episode, the last episode. Anthony Edwards, De'Aaron Fox, and Pascal Siakam were some of the names left off by the coaches voting. Um, Fox seemed like the most egregious. I thought Anthony Edwards was, but semantics. Both have been great. But he has the Kings currently sitting in the number three spot in the West, I didn't even know that till I read that today, which more than likely is going to be enough. There's only 22 games left. For whatever reason, the NBA, the All-Star break is not the halfway point in the season. There's literally—there's been 57 games or whatever it is now. There's only 22 or so left in the season. It's it's so weird that they do this now. But And then, of course, it's All-Star weekend. There's no games today because you have the sh- Shooting Stars Challenge, Rising Stars, whatever— So why were there games last night? I'll get into that pretty soon because Giannis got hurt last night. But anyway, so the Kings are probably going to snap the longest all-time playoff drought in like NBA history, so that's cool. So that's why he is now getting in there. Then you have Anthony Edwards and Pascal Siakam also getting in. And why are they getting in? Well, because Steph Curry, KD, and Zion are all out Edwards and Fox being first-time All-Stars. Siakam gets in for the second time. Uh, you have J- uh, Joel Embiid, Ja Morant, and Lowry Markkanen. They were now re- uh, named replacement starters for those guys that were-, were hurt. And with the signing of Danny Green, the Cavs really have no... No further use for Kevin Love. So they are finalizing a buyout. Love is still still only 34. He has fallen out of the rotation for the Cavs, and he wants an opportunity to go somewhere else for more minutes elsewhere. Um, Miami's the early suitor there. Love is the last remaining player from the 2016 championship team. He's actually second all-time in Cavs history behind LeBron in career in three-pointers in franchise history, so you can tell he's been there a while. Okay, um, earlier in the week, Derek Carr told the Raiders he will not approve any trade, which basically put the Raiders on the hook for $40 million unless they were to cut him by Wednesday, which we know they have done. He visited the Saints last week. Um, He's now set to visit the Jets. I just got alert of that a few hours ago. Listen, he's got a lot of suitors. He's now a free agent, 31-year-old quarterback. If you watch the Pro Bowl, like the skill stuff that they did, he was very accurate, very dominant. I just worry about his longevity if he goes to a Jets team. I know they got to try to bolster that O-line. They'll they'll get AVT back, maybe, but Makai Becton, I'm not holding out hope. He's been a bust since they drafted him 13th overall a couple years ago. He hasn't played a full season, whatever. We all know that, but they should be. If he doesn't have a good O-line, he won't fit with the Jets, and I just feel like Aaron Rodgers would be a better option. He's doing the whole ayahuasca uh, stuff right now, wearing adult diapers and crapping his brains out and just sitting in isolation for, like, the next four days. So who knows what happens there with Rodgers. I hope he's not just toying with us and goes back to Green Bay. And when I say toying with us, I don't just mean the Jets or Jets fans. I mean with everybody. Because if he just goes back there, and it scares me a little bit because – Aaron Jones just re-signed, I think, today on a multi-year deal with the Packers, but it seems like the Packers want to go in a different direction. Maybe Jordan love it's his time now, and they're, they've gotten rid of Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and Bakhtiari. These are like guys that—these are, are Rodgers guys, you know? Um, they've been there throughout everything with Rodgers, so it's like, hey— Come come to the Jets, Aaron Rodgers. We got your favorite offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. We we can sign these guys. We could bring in Alan Lazard, you know, to be a fourth wide receiver or something like that. I don't think we're gonna bring in Randall Cobb. His career is probably over, but maybe we bring in Bakhtiari. He's a great O lineman. We could use him. I mean, whatever you need. Aaron Rodgers give us two to three years and help us win a championship because I firmly and strongly believe he had 4,000 passing yards last year came off two MVPs but he hurt his thumb and wasn't able to be as effective as he's been in years past didn't have Devontae Adams didn't really have great receivers around him till the end of the season a lot of rookies and just a lot of injuries and they missed the playoffs and it's a down year for Rodgers but if he did that with the jets, the jets would have been contenders. And with Aaron Rodgers, I firmly believe we can contend to win a super bowl by year one that, that I'm not joking. We had a top five defense. We have a, you know, rookie of the year on offense in, 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 um, in, um, Garrett Wilson, excuse me. We had Brees Hall, who would have won Rookie of the Year had he not gotten hurt. He was dominating in the running game. So this is a team made to win now. We have a lot of young guys on rookie deals. We need to get this thing done now. Pay Rodgers whatever he needs. Make the trade. Give up the two first-rounders as long as you can ensure that you get them for two years. Don't give up two first-rounders for one year. Although, uh, sadly, I might pull that trigger because... The Jets fans wouldn't care. Give up 13. Give up a first-rounder next year. Whatever it takes, just get this man, please. Anyway, we move on. Exciting news. My favorite all-time athlete ever, Derek Jeter. Yes, you guessed it correctly, will be joining Fox Sports. He will be the newest member of Fox's MLB broadcasting crew for 2023. So think like the panel that's at the games like A-Rod and Ortiz and... Uh, Frank Thomas, those guys. I don't know if he'll actually be with them because it said, from what I was reading, um, he's going to be like an in-studio analyst. So who knows? But anyway, that's what I thought of at first when I when I heard his name joining Fox. Um, Jeter's had quite the uh, excuse me the the year though. Last February, he left his job as Marlins CEO and ceded his entire ownership stake in the team. Then, of course, in July, the captain, you know, ESPN's documentary seven part doc series similar to Michael Jordan's the last dance that came out and now we've learned he will be joining Fox's studio team for the upcoming season how is Fox pulling these guys they've got Brady now well next year he's going to take a year off but they got they bagged Brady they 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 just had Greg Olson doing the Super Bowl they brought in now Derek Jeter I mean they've got some heavy heavy hitters does Fox it's Really, something else. And uh, speaking of baseball, MLB is making more stupid-ass rule changes. The extra-inning ghost runner will now be permanent, and I will go on the record right now, worst rule change in the history of Major League Baseball. I don't care. Put this rule up against any in history. It is single-handedly destroying baseball, and actually changing. They are now changing rules, which are actually changing the integrity of the game as it was constituted to be played. This is not softball with an international tiebreaker. It's baseball, okay? This is baseball, Susan. Like, what are we doing It's a joke. You put a fake runner who was the last out the previous inning at second base. They've been experimenting it. Oh, sure, this was only because of COVID and the shortened season and because we don't want pitchers' arms to get hurt and blah, blah, blah. And they'll say it speeds up the game so you don't have 20 inning games. But, come on, every kid remembers that one or two games, those one or two, three games that you stayed up so late watching because it went to 16, 17, 18, 19 innings. Those were the best of times. And yeah, it speeds up the game now, and less you you get to use less pitchers, so you have pitchers for other days, um, and whatnot. It's just it's ridiculous. I'm a baseball uh guy through and through, and I just this change is not a good one. It's not a good one. Um, but I'll play Devil's Advocate. I'll go with Manfred on this one. It does shorten. The games for sure, because their whole theory, MLB, Rob Manfred, the league offices, their entire theory of why baseball is losing fans is because of the length of games. It's too long. It's boring. Little kids, they lose interest if guys are not hitting home runs and if if there's no scoring. Well, guess what? Well, okay, so last season saw just 11 games go 13 or more innings, and none of those went more than 15. In 2019, 37 went 13 or more innings, eight of those going over 15 frames. Well, guess what? Extra innings is exciting. I don't know about you, but if I'm a Yankee fan and it's just a regular old Tuesday or something, I may, I'll may i probably be watching on the iPad, but maybe I'm not watching and I'm not paying attention, I'm watching, you know, some other program. I have my phone. If I see the game goes into extra innings, you better believe I'm turning it on, and then I'm getting free baseball. And if it does go 18 innings, well, guess what? I'm staying up watching those extra innings because it is riveting. I want to see the pitching changes. I want to see what pitchers they're going to use. Can they get out of this second and third nobody out jam and this and that? And that's exciting. That's how you engage the audience. It's not just about going to a game and sitting there through a a drudging match that's 0-0 into the 12th inning or anything. But even though I think that's pretty fun and exciting in and of itself, I don't need a game to be 10-9 by the 7th inning for me to think that it's entertaining. A pitcher's duel is just as fun. But anyway, that's the new rule. We're going to have to live with it and deal with it. It's just... I don't like it, and I'm voicing my opinion about it. Okay, baseball is back, if you didn't realize. Spring training officially underway this week. Those coveted words that we all love to hear every year this time of the year. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Yes. Um, So anyway, the rule changes I just mentioned, well, we've got some extra ones to throw in there. They will also include shift bands, which finally, that's one I actually like. Uh, A pitch clock. Again, we're, we're literally like reconfiguring the game of baseball and we're changing it. I'm almost at the point of like, this isn't baseball anymore. Let's call it some other sport baseball adjacent that's what this is this is not baseball this is not the baseball my I grew up with this is not the baseball my father or his father or his father grew up with like what are we doing it's ridiculous so there's going to be a pitch clock if you don't throw a pitch within that time frame 20 seconds or so in between pitches whatever it is then it will be an automatic ball and same goes for I guess the batter If they don't get back in the box in a certain amount of time or something, it it could be a called strike. So we could literally have walks and strikeouts without a pitch ever being thrown or a bat ever being swung. It's an absolute joke. And, people are going to violate these rules in the first year, maybe the second year. It's going to be a lot of, of of change. And we know the change that came recently where every time the pitcher comes off the mound, a new pitcher, they got to stop at the foul line by first base or third base, and the umpire checks everything for sticky stuff and this and that, and we, it just become natural and we're used to it now. But then before that, it was coaches' challenges and replays, and it took away from... Coaches running out at home plate and yelling and screaming at the manager, the Lou Pinellas and the Bobby Coxes of the world, and, and the Billy Martins. There's no more yelling at the umpires. Occasionally, guys will get tossed, but otherwise, it's just like you just point to the umpire and you're like, "Hey, guys," and you make that motion for the headset uh, to your ears, and it's just like, "Go, re- go review it." It's just baseball is getting so boring, so boring. Um, sh- 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 let's see. What are the other rules that I-, I got away from? Pitch clock, yep. And then there will be pickoff limits. Okay, whatever. We don't need to see a guy throwing over three, four times. That's fine. And then larger bases that everybody has been making fun of, calling pizza boxes because they look so ginormous. That is supposedly going to shrink the distance between first and second base. So wow. Guys can steal more bases. Oh wait, that's right. Guys will not steal more bases because that's how you get hurt and nobody wants to steal bases because they want the guy behind them up at the plate to hit a home run and just drive him in. At least that's what the suits, the Ivy League suits up in the front office that that remain nameless and faceless because they're cowards and they don't want to reveal themselves because they don't know jack about baseball. And all these rules, mind you, they're not going to go into effect April first, March first. Nope, they're in effect day one of spring training, and uh, presumably that's so these teams could start to get used to these rule changes and start implementing them and everything. Right now, well, guess what? It's especially for pitchers with the pitch clock and all that stuff and the balking. They're going to they they announced earlier this week too. There's going to be an emphasis on balks. Oh, if we, well, guess what? If we start calling more and more balks, guess what? It's not going to make the game shorter. It's going to make it longer. I just don't get it. Um, so, yeah, teams can start working on these things now, except one thing. The World Baseball Classic is taking place during spring training, and the Mets will be having 13 guys participating. So how are you going to practice these rules when you have 13 guys playing in the WBC? Who plays the WBC, which is meaningless, by the way? You want to represent your country, that's one thing. But guess what? You're making your money on the team that is paying you, your major league team. So I don't think the baseball classic is a good idea for anyone because if you get hurt, what use are you to your team now? Okay, some serious news out of New Mexico State. We found out during the Super Bowl, no, Saturday, I believe, that they have canceled the remainder of the men's basketball team's season in the wake of hazing allegations. So New Mexico State Chancellor Dan Arvizu uh, recall, recalled the team from California on Saturday after a police report contained allegations of false imprisonment, criminal sexual contact, and harassment. Arvizu suspended the season initially and placed the entire coaching staff on administrative leave. This comes after an incident in November when a game against New Mexico had to be postponed because there was a shooting in which a New Mexico student was left dead. And a New Mexico State University player in connection with that shooting or that incident was suspended per that investigation. Of course, three players have already announced their departures from the program following this season being canceled. I'm sure more will follow. First-year coach Greg Heyer has since been fired as the university continues its investigation of hazing allegations. So hazing is a serious thing. A local high school close by to me, I won't name the name, where I live, they were involved in a serious, serious hazing thing a few years back, a number of years back, um, within the past five or ten years, and it was serious, we're talking, I mean, it's public knowledge, but um, broomsticks, uh, players shoving broomsticks under, you know, into uh, underclassmen's uh, behinds, like just some seriously messed up stuff, Um, listen, I, I get it the stuff we see in the NFL with the rookies where they have to, like, you know, carry the water jugs and they have to do all sorts of things and, oh, pay for dinner for guys and stuff. Like, that's lighthearted stuff, all that. We all know hazing goes on. Like, it's a part of building that camaraderie, knocking someone down, bringing them back up to be part of the team and things like that. But it's gone way too far. And I don't know what the purpose is in shoving uh, broomsticks up someone's butt, you know, like... What's the all guys, you know, what are we doing here in the locker room and coaches, you know, turning a blind eye or not paying attention and leaving them unsupervised in the locker room for this to go on? Just crazy stuff. But that being the high school that I'm talking about, but we don't really know exactly what went on in this situation. It could have been this is college now could have gotten a lot of worse um, and been a lot more serious. So once this investigation's completed, oh, I'm sure it's going to be on outside the lines or all over ESPN and Fox and everybody else in the internet. And we'll, f- we'll finally get the truth of what's going on. Okay, while the Super Bowl was the talk of the town over the weekend in Phoenix, Scotty Scheffler won his second straight Phoenix Open and is now back to being the world number one. God, he's just ridiculously good. Uh, the Eagles may have lost the Super Bowl, but one former Eagles player is winning in the courtroom. Chris Margos, a former NFL special teamer and team captain uh, previously with the Eagles, he won a medical malpractice suit Monday against doctors, which he says prematurely ended his career. He didn't win just a little, little bit of money. No. The jury awarded him $43.5 million in damages. Oh, my God. Yes. uh, Margos was diagnosed with a torn PCL in October of 2017. He then had surgery, but the injury kept getting worse. And the doctors who performed the surgery knowingly allowed him to rehab his worsening condition. So, wow, a little bit of shock there. But, yeah, 43.5 million in damages, not too bad. Could live the rest of his life with that. Some sad news to report. Nationals team owner has died. uh, Ted Lerner, he died Sunday due to pneumonia complications at the ripe age of 97. Oh, my God. Just three years shy of 100, damn. Uh, Lerner a Washington DC native bought the Nats from Major League Baseball in 2006 one year after the franchise moved to Washington that whole Expos thing the move from Montreal the early days of Washington was an absolute disaster Um, the league was involved heavily with that team at the time because things were just so bad and so Lerner bought them up and he's Um, largely credited with building up this Nats team basically from scratch into the championship team that it turned out to be a few years ago. So RIP to Nats owner Ted Lerner. Frankie Montas could miss the season, probably will miss all of the season. Um, Montas, of course, dealt with some shoulder issues with Oakland earlier last year before the Yankees traded for him at the deadline. We couldn't go out and get Castillo, who was the number one option from the Reds at the at the deadline. The Mariners ended up getting him because they wanted Anthony Volpe and possibly Jason Dominguez and all these stud guys that we have in the farm system. Fine. We go out and get Montas. The guy got obliterated, given up six runs every start. Next thing you know, IL. Oh, he's got a shoulder injury, right? Huh. Well, guess what? He's undergoing arthroscopic surgery on his shoulder with the slim possibility of a late season return. I'm not buying it. Thank God we got Carlos Rodon, but he's another guy that has an injury history, although he's been steady the last two years, but it's New York. We'll see if he amounts to anything, but um glad we got him at least. So yeah, Montas been an abject failure with the Yankees. Cashman should have been fired just for making that trade alone. Um, it's just a joke. Uh, they envisioned him as the number two starter behind Garrett Cole when they traded for him. And then to open things up this year, they're like, oh, well, he's going to be our number five starter. And now he won't even play because he needs surgery. Now, Michael K did say it's not his fault or anybody's fault here because he went to the preeminent like shoulder baseball guy, doctor in the world. He told him, you know, I think you're okay. Just do some rehab and you should be fine. And he wasn't fine. And then when he went back, they're like, yeah, we need, you you need surgery. So it's like, what the F? Okay, but this is what happens with the doctor. I mean, with the uh, Yankees of late, it's been over a decade without a championship. And God, I wish George Steinbrenner was still here because his son has no cojones, and doesn't hold anybody accountable. Let's get to some college basketball. Another crazy week. I'm officially done with Rutgers. They've dropped three straight, lost to Nebraska at home, a place we're not supposed to lose. So, yeah, I'm out on Rutgers. Whether they make the tournament or not, it's all about the future with that top recruiting class. We've got to secure... um, Ron Harper Jr.'s brother, and we might have the top class in the country. It would just be redonkulous. So that's what I'm looking forward to. We play great defense. It's just like my eyes bleed when I watch them try to play offense and create shots and dribble out the shot clock and try to shoot threes, wide open threes that just airball or don't even reach the rim. I could blindfolded take better shots than these guys. It's embarrassing how piss poor their shooting is. But anyway, back to the overall college basketball landscape. Another night, another number one goes down. Alabama came in this week at number one, but they lasted just three days before losing to number 10, Tennessee, last night. Not to mention number six, Texas, lost to TCU earlier in the week. Number 24, Providence knocked off 18, Creighton in double overtime. That was a really good game. Number 23, NC State lost to unranked Syracuse. Oklahoma, this was a big surprise, trounced number 12, Kansas State. Then there was unranked Northwestern beating number 14, Indiana, on a Boo Booey floater with 2.7 seconds left. I actually have that sound from Boo Booey because it's Big Ten and that's what I watch mostly. Looking, working, driving inside. Hook is good! 2.7 to go. Put Shafino for the win! Off the rim! Northwestern knocks off their fourth game against the... Um, yeah, I think he was trying to say Northwestern knocked off their fourth ranked opponent so far this year, which very impressive... Northwestern, Rutgers beat them. They it was a grind. We beat them on the road. They should have won that game, but we locked them down at the end, and we we really stepped it up um, in the second half. The yeah, Northwestern ten and five in the conference. They're second in the conference. Unbelievable. They're 19-7 and 7 overall. That used to be Rucker's spot, second in the conference, but Rucker's has fallen all the way down to 8-7, and 7, just 16-10 and 10 on the year. We've got to try to get to 20 wins. I mean, this is embarrassing. We can't find ourselves in a play-in game again in, in the tournament, but lost three in a row. We're at Wisconsin tomorrow at noon. That's definitely a winnable game, but we suck on the road, so who knows? Then we're home for Michigan. How many games left? Five. One, two, three, four. Yeah, five. We finish up with Penn State, Minnesota, Northwestern. And actually, didn't Penn State just beat somebody this week as well? I mean, it's been, it's been, yeah. Uh, Tuesday, Penn State beat Illinois by 12. Illinois is not ranked. I still don't get how Illinois isn't ranked. But um, anyway, it's been a crazy season. But yeah, impressive nonetheless for that team. Northwestern, doing a great job. Let me plug in my charger here. Okay, so let's move on. Oh, no, I'm not done. Um, Yeah, Northwestern. That was with 2.7 seconds. Give the uh, Indiana player credit. He hit the front of the rim on like a half-court heave. That was a decent effort. Um, Number three, Purdue lost to Maryland last night. That's right. I don't think the Alabama game was last night, but whatever. The Maryland and Purdue game was last night. This was a wild one. The terps were losing by what eight in the second half and then proceeded to go on a 29 to four run and pulled away 68 54 your final. Purdue has now dropped three of their last four games. This seems to be that time where Purdue, that time of the year Purdue starts to show their true colors, they're ranked so high in the beginning of the year and throughout the year and they have you know such a great record. and then they start to fizzle. And then they will probably lose. You know, last year they lost in the Elite Eight to Saint Peter's. Um, although I mean, that's a good year for them, but it just seems like every year Matt Painter can't get them over the hump. And I heard something that Matt Painter has never had a five-star recruit at Purdue. I mean, that's shocking. If that is if that is true, what my dad tells me, uh, wow, crazy. But that's what that's the year that this has been. This, I'm sorry. Nobody knows who's winning a national championship this year. It is bizarre. We're living in bizarro world, and good luck to anybody filling out their March Madness brackets in about a month. Or less than a month, really. The tournament starts, I think, in a month. All right, let's move on. Let's back to some football talk. Guess what kicks off tomorrow? The XFL In its third iteration, and this is the one they hope will stick. It has the backing of The Rock and his ex-wife. ESPN will be broadcasting every single game on each of their different networks and even on their parent company, uh, Walt Disney's FX. And they plan to lean into the sports gambling side of things heavily. The league will consist of eight teams. There will be 43 games. ESPN has 18 commentators dedicated to the league and will deploy a sky cam for each game. And this is the best part. I, I'm not a so I love Madden. I think, you know, because I'm so good at Madden, I think that I could be like an offensive coordinator in the NFL, right? But I don't actually know X's and O's or how to call plays or anything like that. So this is where it's gonna be really cool. ESPN will have access to to the 15 coach-to-player communications. So when you hear the quarterback, you know, they have the, um, the headset in their head and they have the, uh, in their helmet and the coaches, you know, the offense coordinator, the head coach, gets to talk to them in their headset. That's, we're all gonna, we're gonna be able to, hear every single conversation those coaches are having with with the player it's going to be phenomenal and unlike the NFL the NFL shuts down those communications with 15 seconds left on the play clock there is no such cap in the XFL so I'm actually looking forward to this if we can get my 75 inch TV up in time uh, tomorrow afternoon I will definitely be tuning in to some XFL for sure uh, let's talk some more golf. We have the Genesis Invitational, which opened up yesterday. I think this one's on like ESPN Plus most mostly. Tiger uh, is back playing in his first competitive tournament in about seven months. Thursday, meaning yesterday, he was paired up with Rory JT. Uh, excuse me, Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas, for those of you that don't know JT. He fired a two under 69 in the opening round, even birdied the final three holes to shoot that opening round 69. Unfortunately, today he was one over. um, No, excuse me. He's one over for the tournament, um, actually. So he was, uh, what? he, He did not have a good day three over. And... He is now in jeopardy of missing the cut. They actually probably revealed if he made the cut by now, the projected cut was even par. And the Genesis Invitational, that's like Tiger's tournament down there in Florida. So let's look up real quick. Tiger Woods, let's see if he... Let's see. First thing I search on Twitter from TMZ, Tiger Woods is now apologizing for slipping a tampon to Justin Thomas after out-driving him on a hole during a round of golf on Thursday, saying it was supposed to be all fun and game. Oh, my God. PC culture. I have no issue with this. It's probably an inside joke or something. Relax, people. I mean, actually, it's not an inside joke. He gave him the tampon because he's calling him a girl and that he swings like a girl because he out drove him. Oh, my God. Call the cops. Um, Let's see. Uh, let me look up. To, actually, ESPN app will tell me what the what the cut is and if he made it. Here we go. Let's see. Oh my God, Tiger! Tiger's chip to save par lipped out to finish round two, so he might have missed the cut because he lipped out on a chip to end his his round. Uh, let's see. We've got Keith Mitchell leading right now at nine under. Max Homas at nine under. Colin Morikawa is at eight. Um, Lee Hodges is right there at eight under and then you've got John Rom at seven under Rory's up to six, Cantley's up to minus six, anyway, let's go down the list here okay, Tiger Woods did make the cut, the, cu- the projected cut is one over, so Tiger should be in for the weekend, he will not win, but Tiger playing in the weekend that's all that matters that's all that matters, so I'll be tuning into that as well on ESPN+. Plus. Okay, some sad news to report. The beloved Tim McCarver has passed away. The former catcher and Fox broadcaster died yesterday of heart failure at 81. McCarver played 21 seasons, mostly with the Cardinals, where he won two World Series, I believe in 67 one of the sixties Um, he was runner up in the MVP voting. But yeah, this one hits home for me. Uh, I was a huge Tim McCarver fan, obviously not. I didn't know him when he played because I wasn't born yet, but I was a huge Tim McCarver fan, him and Joe Buck calling world series games. I, I just loved everything he brought to the game. He was like Tony Romo, the cerebral mind knowing what's going to happen before it happens just ahead of his game and he was just a humble guy, a humble dude, a really good announcer, good broadcaster, and I'm sad to see him go. 81 years old due to heart failure. Just shocking um that he was really to me that's just super young. But um as much as it pains me, this is one memorable moment for, uh with McCarver from the 2001 Game 7 World Series in which Luis Gonzalez walked it off against Mariano Rivera. Just listen to this clip of McCarver. He tells you basically what's going to happen before it happens. Incredible. The one problem is Rivera throws inside the left-handers. and left-handers get a lot of broken, bad hits in the shallow outfield. The shallow part of the outfield. That's the danger in bringing the infield in with a guy like Rivera on the mound. The Diamondbacks are world champions. So, just watching back that clip, because I was super young. I was like eight or nine years old when that happened. I'm watching it back now, and yeah, the infield was in. That's great. But why was the outfield not in even shallower than what they were? Uh, to me, it's like, if McCarver knew that they're going to get sawed off and, and break a bat and float one into into the outfield, then the Yankees should have known that too, and they should have had the outfielders weigh in because... There's a runner on third base. If they hit the ball over your head anyway at that point, you're not winning the game. You're not throwing them out at home. I, 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 so that to me was a little bizarre. So shame on the Yankees for that one. But uh, yeah, that one stung a little bit because that was, you know, 2001, the Twin Towers and the terror attack, 9-11. And it just felt like fate that the, you know, New York needed that World Series and Diamondbacks spoiled it. Crazy. But we move on. R.I.P. to Tim McCarver. That one, that one hurt. Joe Mazzulla is now the permanent head coach for the Boston Celtics. So if you remember, Mazzulla was inserted as interim head coach at the start of the year when Ime Udoka was suddenly suspended for you know his inappropriate relationship with a coworker, et cetera, et cetera. All Missoula has done since taking over is guide the Boston Celtics to the best record in the NBA entering the all-star break. They are 42 and 17. Oh, and by the way, Joe Missoula is just 34 years old, making him the youngest head coach in the league. So it's a well-deserved promotion, if you will. The Bucks won their 12th straight game last night, beating the Bulls, but it was costly. Giannis injured his wrist in the first half and exited the game. I don't know if he's actually going to still play in the All-Star game because he's a captain in this game. Uh, shame on the NBA for playing this game the day before All-Star weekend. Most players are checked out by now. They just want the festivities. They want to go to the All-Star break and have fun with the dunk contest and all the activities that go on there. But, of course, you know, it's all about the money, the TV rights, deals, and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, really? What does that matter when we don't even have a game until next Thursday right now? It's bizarre. But anyway, yeah, something to keep an eye on going into this weekend is the Giannis wrist injury. Uh, We've got the Futures game tonight at 9 o'clock, so that's in just under an hour and a half. The Rising Stars Challenge will give us four teams. This is one to watch out for, including a G League team featuring Scoot Henderson, who will for sure be the number two pick behind uh, the French kid Wembenyama in the upcoming 2023 NBA Draft. Let's give you some insight. We've got the dunk contest and three-point contest tomorrow. Uh, Max McClung, or excuse me, Mac McClung was set to be the first G League player to take part in the dunk contest. However, earlier this week, he signed a two-way contract with the Sixers. He also told Shams, who sat down with him, there's at least two dunks that I know have never been done in any contest. So Dems is fighting words. So if you are looking to bet some Mac McClung for the slam dunk contest he's plus 250 to win the competition that's the third longest odds uh the worst odds coming in at plus 320 Trey Murphy the third you've got Jericho Sims plus 170 which is a little surprising he's on the Knicks and then you have Kenyon Martin Jr KJ at plus 210. if I'm a betting man I'd take him but um, I'm not betting on the dunk contest no thank you the three-point contest is usually my jam, and here it goes. You've got plus 425 odds, Damian Lillard and Buddy Heald. Buddy Healed should win this. He's done it enough times now. Um, at plus 500, you've got Jason Tatum. I want to say Tatum's done this in the past, but he takes too long to shoot the basketball, so I don't think he's winning that. At plus 550, we've got Kevin Herter and Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero would be my dark horse. I thought I saw Tyler Hero at plus like 800 on, or maybe it was plus 600, I don't know. But um, I like him as a dark horse. I know Herter did pretty good last year, I believe. Uh, Coming in at plus 600, Tyrese Halliburton, he has the ugliest shot by far. I would never bet him in a a three-point contest. I'm sorry. If you've never seen Tyrese Halliburton shoot, because most of you have not, he was on the Kings and now the Pacers, two bad teams. Please tune into the three-point contest and watch Tyrese Halliburton shoot. He shoots like from the side, feet together, everything you are not supposed to do as it as a basketball player. And he's doing it at the highest level. It's just shocking. Then you have Julius Randle is in the three-point contest. This is ridiculous. This is one of the worst years of names here, plus 650, Julius Randle. Like, where's my Seth Curry? Where's my Joe Harris? They're two of the top five all-time three-point percentage leaders in NBA history, and Joe Harris beat Steph Curry a few years ago to win this thing. I want Joe Harris in the three-point contest. Anyway, uh, Julius is at plus 650. I think I said that. And then in Markin, Lowry in Markin is at plus 700. Okay, and finally, we can end the show with On This Date in Sports. February 17th, 1994, San Antonio's David Robinson recorded the fourth quadruple-double in NBA history with 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and a whopping 10 blocks in a win over the Pistons. There hasn't been a quadruple-double in the NBA since I was two years old. Two years old. Wowzers. Okay, that came in at about an hour and 18 minutes. I'm going to wrap things up here. Episode 200, This weekend, Sports. Enjoy your weekend, ladies and gentlemen. There is a ton of sports going on. Football might be over. The NFL, that is. But XFL is here. Go watch some Vipers and some Dragons and whatever teams we've got now, because they did change some names, whatever. I'm going to go watch that. I'm getting my 75 inch TV hung up tomorrow afternoon. I'm excited. Can't wait for the dunk contest. Can't wait for the three point shootout. Let's freaking go. Enjoy your President's Day weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy that Monday off. I know I will. And I'll talk to everybody next week. I'm the Pody signing out.